here it is. The greatest advance in television since color television itself. Okay, boys, here we go. What's up, everyone? Welcome back. We are finally back to Not a Bomb Watches Cowboy Bebop episode 11. I'm one of your hosts, Brad Anderson, and with me is the man who's here for just looks on a podcast, Troy Sauer. Troy, how are you? We're back. I'm great. I'm excited. I feel like I've watched uh, these two episodes, I don't know, 14 times in the interim because I keep forgetting about them. And uh, I, I got to be honest, it is killing me. I've, I I want to pat myself on the back for a second because I have not. Oh, self-flatulation. Let's yeah, go. I have not advanced past these two episodes, and it's killing me, man. Um, so there <laughs> yeah. we go. Yeah, there's part of me that thought, I'm sorry, I haven't introduced myself Wow. Yet. <laughs> I'm not being introduced. Is this your first podcast? It is. I do this sometimes. I'm Sammy, DGTMC. Uh, yeah, hi. Hey, you don't need to, You don't need to introduce, introduce me, Brad. I'm fine. But uh, it's funny you say that because I've watched these episodes enough times that I could have finished the season. Uh, I think so too. I because I, yep. I, I'm dying, man. I, and everybody keeps coming up to me and go, "Have you watched the live action?" I'm like, "No, I'm on yep. episode like 20 or 21 of the show, and I can't advance. I can't. I can't pass go. I'm in jail or something." Yeah. So actually, we are on session 21, which is boogie woogie feng shui, and session 22, which is cowboy funk. Um, before we get started, um, the Netflix show has basically come and went since the last time we uh, recorded and uh, yeah, it got canceled. So I think we're still going to watch that after this, but uh, yeah, now I know that I only have to watch like 10 episodes. So I'm still, game. I'm still, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm in in nowadays streaming television shows. I mean, they're kind of like just extended movies anymore. They're just, you know, they come and they go. Yeah, I, I feel like um, I've read so many articles. What's what's weird? I don't know how you guys have tackled this, but since the show has debuted and since it's been canceled, I feel like I have read so many uh, insider articles on what happened behind the scenes or why it got canceled and everything else. And it, it has given me a little bit of an education on how they track that stuff as well as what they're looking for like out of the first season. Because if it doesn't hit a particular metric, and given some of these sci-fi shows as much as they cost to produce, they're very quick to pull the trigger. And and this one really comes down to, they know exactly how many people watched it uh, or downloaded it, and they know like how long uh, of a show it stayed within the list. And it, if it didn't hit their certain parameters, there was no way that they were going to green light that budget. And that's exactly what happened. I, I wonder if in their calculation too, they have like impressions. So like Twitter impressions and social media impressions and things like that. Like it, it, if it's moving that needle as well. I'm, 
I'm sure that plays into it prior to release, but mm -hmm. um, there, there was one article I read that was, uh, I, I think it was from Deadline or something like that, and it was trying to sort of make sense of all the, hey, a petition got signed and blah, 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 and is it yeah, ever going to... Yeah, last time I saw it was like 125,000 signatures, and I was like, yeah, and, those and people would have watched. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the problem. So I, I think... I think social media impressions, all of the marketing, et cetera, that is monitored and it will um, be a predictor on how successful they think is going to be out of the first week. But they are looking at downloads within the first week and then they, I mean, it's like box office, right? You get X amount of people who watch it out of the beginning, then it's going to taper off in week two, week three, week four, et cetera. And so in the first 30 days, it got to a point where they saw the trajectory of viewership for that and knew exactly that, okay, it's not going to bring in new subscribers. Um, the people that have Netflix aren't watching it at the rate that other shows are that probably had a lesser budget. And so from a decision perspective, apparently it was pretty black and white to kind of go, this is not a success and um, call it DOA. Yeah. And they hyped it up. I felt like that was one of their shows. Maybe we, it was just because it interests us, but I saw a lot for Cowboy Bebop from Netflix. Um, and then they ended up getting the rights for streaming. Like this, cartoon, the, the the anime is now streaming on Netflix. Yeah. So they went all in. And I think it, it might be, you know, you could talk maybe that maybe that your phone listening to you too. <laughs> maybe that's why <laughs> I felt like you were getting barraged by it. Because maybe, yeah, yeah. The other day we were talking, us three were talking about something else. And all of a sudden uh, I was being recommended uh, flickering lights yeah, uh, on my phone. And I'm like, where'd this come from? <laughs> I know where it came from. <laughs> yeah. You were talking about it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think that that's probably why. And I, and I, and I, just to kind of chime in on that, I think they look at everything. Yeah. Because they're a network-based company that is you know, checking all those algorithms and stuff. And I think that they spend the majority of their money uh, trying to figure that out. They really are the most, these streaming companies really looking for uh, uh, these properties that will just land them more and more subscribers. I mean, it's going to come to a point where I don't think there's going to be any intellectual properties that don't have some type of show. I never thought I'd see Robert Jordan's wheel of time <laughs> as a TV show uh, on Amazon and, the Witcher's a show, you know, Cowboy Bebop, a live action show. I never would have thought these things. I mean, we'd probably see Bubblegum Crisis or something else pretty soon. Maybe they, they've yeah, all probably. they've all been bought. So um, to derail for a second, um, I I know Chuck Dixon, so the comic book writer, through a friend, um, Todd Fox, who um, wrote for like Punisher and stuff like that. Um, so I've known Todd for a long time. He introduced me to Chuck Dixon, and when Chuck Dixon was writing for DC. Uh, and, and Chuck, uh, I think Bendis has also, and I can't remember if it, it was Bendis, but there was a, there was a comic book artist who did a graphic novel on just kind of what happens behind the scenes. I, I think it was Bendis, but, um, the way Chuck explained it was he got a, um, uh, a salary per month to go out and buy movies and books and material that they would borrow from that was basically research for any of the things that he was doing for DC at that time. So at the time he was doing Nightwing 
and he and I were trading um, Hong Kong laser discs back and forth. And I would, I would go, Hey, have you seen this one? He's like, no. And so I would, you know, take a laser disc, put it on VHS and, and send it over to him. And then he would go, Oh, well, you're going to love this one. So we were, we were tra- trading movies back and forth. And I think he had said, you know, once there, there are people, their sole job for like a Warner brothers or something of that nature is they go out and do research. And so if somebody gets just a little bit of a hit on a particular property, could be an independent comic or something of that nature, the studio has a budget that they will go in, swoop in and go, we want the rights to that uh, for X, Y, and Z. And it, you know, and it's for a contract of X amount of years. So they will buy properties just left and right, knowing that probably 70% of it is never going to see light of day, especially like books and stuff that hit um, for new publishing. But it was, it was crazy, all the stuff that, um, you know, Chuck was telling me, he's like, oh, yeah, I get to spend this much per month. And if they find something, they're kicking it over to DC or Warner Brothers and saying, you might want to look at this property for purchase. But a lot of what he was buying in terms of, of books and uh, music and movies and stuff like that, it was it was basically just research laden. But through that research, they would find all these these properties. It's crazy. It's crazy. Covers legal, uh, legal, legal loopholes. Yeah, legal loopholes. Legal loopholes. Legal loopholes. You to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. We've waited like two months to talk about this, so let's <laughs> yeah. jump in. No to, pressure. Yeah, this session twenty-one. Boogie woogie feng shui, which um, I will synopsize real quick. Uh, Jet gets a mysterious note from an old friend Poe. And finds himself teaming up with his daughter, who uses feng shui to decipher it. The two are also chased by syndicate mobsters, also searching for him. Um, I will start with you, Troy. What were your first, your initial impressions of Boogie Woogie Feng Shui? Uh, I, I knew instantly I was going to like it because we get the voiceover narration by Jet. Um, it opens exactly like a classic film noir, so it. It was right in my wheelhouse. Um, and, you know, I was going to ask you guys this. Uh, I, I mean, my initial impressions are it it's another one of my favorite episodes. I, I really liked it from start to finish because it's one of those episodes that I think it's an interesting story. There's interesting animation, but it also tries to ask some interesting questions through feng shui, you know, fate, predetermination, all those things. Um, and I, and I love any kind of piece of media that does or, or tries to do something a little bit more than just entertain. So this, see, see our episode on writers of justice. Yeah. So exactly. <laughs> um, and, and, and again, I think that's where cowboy bebop is at its, um, strongest is when it has a good story, good characters and on its surface, it's super entertaining, but you just go maybe, you know, you peel the onion back a little bit and you go, oh, there's there's something else there that it's not necessarily trying to answer the big universal questions for you, but it's probably giving you some things to think about. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the details of it, but something just kind of struck me. This property just borrows from so many different genres, specific directors, um, specific movies, uh, is is film noir probably the biggest influence on this series? Do you think westerns? You think westerns more so than film noir? Mm, they're pretty close. I'd say they're one A and one B for sure. Hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, yeah, I'm with Brad. I think I think they're 
neck and neck in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think of all the tropes. So you get episodes like this, which are, to me, pure film noir. But then when it's not following this type of um, archetype from a story perspective, all the other episodes have aspects of film noir in them. So I, I think to me, that's the difference is I can tell when there's a Western influence or a samurai influence um, or a Robert Rodriguez influence. I mean, you know, it, 2001 Space Odyssey, it pops up a couple times. So I, I get those influences, but um, in some episodes, uh, I, I feel like, hey, early on, we got the John Woo episode and it's right there, right? Yeah. But even within that John Woo episode, there's film noir elements in it. So every time there's a Western or every time there's a sci-fi, there's always something film noirish about it, at least from a typical film, film noir stereotype. So I, I don't know. I, and, and maybe rewatching the entire series again, I won't feel this way. But this episode just kind of solidified something for me, which was it, it's film noir animation. So either it's embracing it totally in an episode and when it's not, it's always got its toe dipped into that genre in some fashion, more so than anything else. At least that's my takeaway from it. I think for me, it's just, it's such a, you know, we're 20 something episodes in and it's, it's such an amalgamation of all these different influences in these little moments that it's, it's, it's really, I mean, I don't mean this as an insult, but it's like this wonderful piece of chewed bubble gum that the creator is he has ate all this pop culture and it's just spit it out. <laughs> and, uh, that's what I've come away. But I'm I, the film noir stuff is there. Uh, certainly in certain episodes, I mean, the lighting and everything, this one didn't make me think of film noir right away. Maybe think of Hong Kong action movies though. Well, with the young girl and the older bodyguard slash assassin type thing. And they, they approach, some uh, taboo subject here. Some Leon the professional maybe as well. Yeah. Oh, uh, which is a great line. Like uh, she, maybe he's got a thing I'm like, well, she's definitely too old for that. <laughs> well, I, I again, and another, another excellent example of, of this series is this episode has some really good writing in it. Um, and it, even in the dialogue exchanges, there's always some little bit of wisdom. Like, Faye at one point makes a comment about the more righteous you are um, when you're young, the more likely you are to fall for a young girl when you're older. Men are extremely predictable. So that that type of dialogue, again, to me, that's film noir dialogue right there. And um, it comes out in this exchange when I think Faye and Spike are talking to each other about this relationship that they're watching. And, um, I, you know, I, I know Jet is even trying to figure out, like, it's it's not his daughter. And I think at one point he goes, I'm, I'm probably more like your big brother. But at the same time, Faye makes this comment out to the side. And it's like, yeah, that whatever that attraction is, though, it's still there. And again, I feel like it's it's a taboo subject and it's something that, yeah, you've seen in Leon, these other things. But again, I, I feel like that's something out of a classic classic mystery, classic film noir, but yeah. uh, you know, this, the dialogue in this thing is, is crackling, man. It's so good. Well, one of the themes we see throughout this whole series is jets need to be a father figure to basically everybody. So you can, all, you can also interpret it, that relationship with her as him trying to be that father figure for her because her father is now missing. Yeah. Yeah. 
and he was friendly with her father, right? In some mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Yeah. And he remembers her when she was, you know, knee high and all that kind yeah. of stuff. He kind of talks about that. Super creepy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just it, right? I mean, it, it borders. Obviously, we live in a different time. I, I think if I'd have saw this when it came out, that never would have even crossed my mind. I think that's more prevalent in our, in our kind of culture now that we know more about that kind of stuff. But um, it's certainly there because, you know, there wouldn't be no reason for Spike and Faye to talk about it the way they talk about it. And, of course, if we know anything about Japanese culture, too, they sometimes have a thing for that kind of thing. Not not they as in all the people there, but there are some people who, <laughs> you know, they're into that kind of, you know, youngish type thing. And it, it, I don't know. It was a strange episode. I don't know if it was one of my favorites. I want to say that. But I did really like that uh the female character that was in there that uh, uh what was her character name do you guys remember her name i, I don't uh, remember her name no <laughs> it's, uh, it's been like a month Mi- man <laughs> Mi- Mi- mifa 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 okay mifa. <laughs> there's a joke there but i'm not yeah gonna, i'm not gonna it's a cheap joke um <laughs> i think she uh i liked her a lot and i thought she was really interesting and I like the way the violence played out in in the story. But I think this kind of comes back. Troy brought this up, and, and I, I want to talk about this a little bit. It's, it keeps coming back to Jet Black for me in some ways with this father figure thing. And the reason why I like his character so much is he's this kind of, uh, you know, not a, a director, but this kind of motivator, this kind of stick in the mud, sort of. But, I mean, he kind of gets himself in trouble sometimes. But he's always, in some weird way, this voice of reason, even when he goes outside of his reasoning and does something on pure emotion. And uh, I like how Spike and Faye are always kind of confused by that um, because clearly they see him, whether they want to admit it or not, as this kind of father figure or big brother or however you want to say, you know, just this leader, so to speak. And uh, it's in this one, too. Like, they're almost jealous of this not in a bad way, but they, they're certainly curious because they they don't know this side of Jet Black, right? So I, I find all that kind of stuff really interesting. The episode, I agree, is very well written. It's, I mean, there is an action set piece in here and stuff, yeah. but it feels like this one's much more about... It's another one of those episodes where it just moves, for me, the Jet Black character forward and continues for me to make him the most interesting character in the show. Yeah, I, I like how you said it. I. I think, I don't know if they've got him figured out or they don't have him figured out, but you can definitely tell that you've got, you know, these, um, I'll say five characters because Ayn's a character too, but you've, you've got this closed unit family. And when one of these side characters come into it for this episode and you see one of them start reacting a different way, it is nice to watch the reactions of the others standing from the outside. And, you know, there's, there's that whole sequence where all of a sudden, they're like, oh, you want to smoke? Go outside. He's like, what? He's like, well, there's no smoking area now. And so, you know, Faye and Spike are out there. And that's, I think, when she delivers that comment. But it, it almost feels like, ah, oh, they want to be so cool that they they go, well, that that didn't hurt me. That didn't hurt my feelings. Like Jets being the fatherly, you know, I don't want to, I don't want a father figure, a big brother in my life. But through the background and in those sequences, you 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 do pick up on they're being hurt a little bit by that. And they may never tell Jet that they appreciate his common sense and his wisdom and everything else. But when it's not being directed towards them, there is a little bit of jealousy to it. 
And again, right. that's the strength of the writing that comes out for these little scenes. Um, and you know, I, I'll say this, it's, I, I like the space battles and the portals and there's, there's a lot of visual stuff in here. I think what I appreciate this episode so much is, um, it, it's, it's got the right amount of action and it's, but this one's strength is really on the dialogue and the scripting and some of the exchanges and even, even this whole thing of, um, you, you've got a, you've got a premise where it's somebody is trying to use what you would call an ancient Chinese astrological Scientology, like, you know, I can control things in the world to get an event to come out. And then you, at the end of it, find out that all of that predictability was thrown off by somebody else making a decision and all of, and all of a sudden it opens up all these questions and where somebody was relying on, uh, Feng Shui to, to make their decisions. And then you find out, well, it, was it somebody pulling the strings to bring everybody to this or was it, you know, something else that is predestination or how the episode ends and, and you've got the low pan left on the graveyard and it's whatever happens, happens, right? And there's just sort of leave it up to the chaos of the universe. You have all these characters asking those questions and specifically Jet um, and how the story plays out. And I think that's where the strength is. Um, this, this, this series is as as great as it looks is uh, matches that with brains. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. I agree with all of what you said. I can't. Uh, I can't even. I don't even have any snappy comebacks. <laughs> <laughs> and I always have a snappy comeback. I know. Oh, man, I'm disappointed. Sam, did you want to add anything of initial reaction or anything like that? I mean, I, I just, I got a really heavy vibe of, you know, um, like I said, it may, it may not have been Leon. Leon's not a personal favorite film of mine. I've never really loved that film. I've, <gasps> yeah. I've always kind of <laughs> liked it. I, I just, I've never really been a huge fan of it. I'm not a fan of, of Mozart. <laughs> it's, it's just not a, it's just not a film I go back to a lot. I think it's cool and it's interesting and it's certainly a bit controversial and, and it's got some interesting things. You could argue it's a little bit transgressive in a way. Um, but Luke Bassan and me, we have a, a difficult relationship. <laughs> no, I get it. I, I would say that The Professional is probably his best film by far. Yeah, probably. Uh, I, eh. <laughs> his, his visual sense always works for me. Like yeah. Visually, yeah. everything he does, I'm like, whoa, I got to see this. And then I see the movie and I'm like, Whoa, I'm not going to watch that again. <laughs> so it, that's kind of, I mean, I, there's never been one of his films that's really stuck with me. Mostly it's stuff he produces more than stuff he. I say, I, I think he's a better producer than director. Yeah. Um, I, think, and, I do like La Femme Nikita. Yes. See, and to me, that, that, that would be the pinnacle, right? But yeah. I, I feel like once the, there's a point, once you see those assassin films um, up to La Femme Nikita, it, if you're well versed and and even if you see something like Le Samurai or, or whatever, um, or even John who's the killer. And I can't remember if the killer came out before or after Leon, but there, there's going to be a point in time where if you've, if you're well versed in that subgenre, Leon's an okay film. If uh-huh. you're not as well versed, then Leon does play out like a greatest hit, a greatest hits of those films. And that's why I, I respect people who love that film. But then when you go, Hey, did you, did you ever see like 
Alan Dion and uh, Le Samurai, and somebody, oh no, I never seen that. I'm like, oh, okay, Leon walked on water for you. I get it. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I get it. One of those films has Gary Oldman in it, though. Yeah, well, he's great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's he's a force of nature in that movie, right? Yeah. And I mean, yes. that's one of those those Gary Oldman performances that's you know everybody else is on eight and Gary's up here somewhere, <laughs> like on fifteen. <laughs> yep, yeah. just. Yeah, so uh, I, I love Leon. I just I totally get um, there. There are days when I look at it and I'm like, ooh, I kind of want to go watch La Femme Nikita or, or something else, um, yeah. knowing that hey, I I feel like Leon is um, I don't know drinking from a dry well kind of thing. Yeah, I can't remember the last, I can't this off subject, but I can't remember the last best song film I watched. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google that after we get after I get done making my point. But that I I got a really strong sense of. I didn't know that I got a strong sense of that. I really got more of a strong sense of Hong Kong action movies because that's what it felt like to me. It felt like young girl and bodyguard. And I can't put my finger on the exact Hong Kong action film. Um, but there's certainly films I've seen over the years that it reminds me of. And yeah. uh, even though she is an adult, uh, I believe, uh, they never really are very clear. But I would say with Spike and Faye's dialogue that she is an adult. I still think the episode's really just there to propel this father figure of Jed Black. And it feels to me like the more I watch this, it feels to me like the series creator is in love with Jed Black as much as I might be. <laughs> is he? I, but man, Faye's got some great. Uh, he may be in love with Jay, Jet Black, but I feel like Faye really has these moments where she drops some dialogue or drops some some lines and they're they're a little bit of a showstopper in terms of oh wow that's that's a really poignant view of what's going on i think what i'm most interested in is the fact that spike was the one i thought going into this knowing i've never seen it thinking that that's who i'm going to follow that's who i'm going to identify with and he really is for me uh, and i don't mean this in a bad way i still think he's a great character but he's almost like a third wheel yep yeah that's a good point yeah yep really interesting i never expected that um yeah so i will wholeheartedly disagree with you guys this is by far my least favorite episode oh um, shut your mouth oh my yeah, god I, 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 i'm out it, it was confirmed <laughs> I, waited, I waited like five weeks for this shit no because I, I <laughs> it was confirmed because i watched this episode three times oh my god um yeah, yeah it just never really does anything for me um you know the blues brothers guys they're okay and same was talking about the violence like that neck break is pretty visceral um yeah i couldn't believe he killed him <laughs> yeah i and that, that seemed kind of out of character for um jet black and and i was wondering maybe if uh mifa like, has something to do with that if he was like trying to impress her or so i i don't know but um yeah this one just doesn't really do anything for me um and I don't know why, like the dialogue is good. It just, I, I think the whole feng shui aspect of this is kind of dumb. Um, and like them going up and looking at the buildings and I'm just like, ah, none, of the, none of this stuff works for me with in this episode. I, it's fine, but I, I definitely would say this is my least favorite one um, by far. Oh, I don't know enough about feng shui to comment enough about, its use in this uh episode i mean they use astronomy right troy and geography and I, aesthetics I, like no, a lot of I, times 
I, I think that's like the, I'm not going to sit here and give a lesson. So I think people confuse it with like astronomy and go, well, if you put your chair over here yeah, and yeah. that, you know, it, it <laughs> it's really trying to think about it from a standpoint of um, applying, and this is going to sound weird, but you know, math has a certain set of rules, right? And it's always going to come out this way from an equation standpoint, but imagine like a person and their energy is one equation and the world and the energy out in the world is another equation. And it's supposed science is basically to say, if you line up your energy and you line up your equation, your with, cosmic current, right? yeah, with, with like everything that, yeah. that's going out there, then, um, you in essence, um, can predict certain things or you can control aspects of your life in terms of positive or negative energies. So it, it's way more like the low pan as an example, think of it as like a compass that is basically, and, th and that's the whole part of, um, like the, the big story element here is it's basically, uh, a girl who, you know, there's a whole, this entire action scene and, and she's basically using feng shui saying we should go this way and it works out for him. Right. And, and jet black's like, what's going on. And, um, even when they find that rock and that becomes, you know, a component of, um, the, the low pan, the compass, then basically it points them to where they need to be. And the big reveal, you know, spoiler alert is they're looking for a father. And what ends up happening is the father thinks that he has become a master of feng shui to where he has lined up his environment and his energies and has got jet to that point so that he can be with Jet and I don't know to rescue him or whatever. What he never accounted for was her energy coming into it. So that's supposed to kind of ask that question of, you can do all of this planning and you can use feng shui and you can, you can look at your energies lined up with the world's energies, all this other stuff and think that you are predicting something. But if you take a step back and um, at the end of the day, they get to where they're supposed to go, but it doesn't play out the way I think the father thought it would. And so at the end of the day, it's like, well, what's predestination? What can you control? What do you just have to let happen? You know, like Spike's whole um, mantra is whatever happens, happens, right? So I, I think I think that's why I like the episode a little bit more is because it it's trying to ask those questions and I, I like it when they're they're dabbling in that area and trying to set up a story that, you know, puts predestination with self-control versus chaos, universal chaos and stuff like that. And just saying, okay, how does one character react to it versus another? And then what happens at the end of the story? You mm. did. That's not the reason. This is one of your favorite episodes. Cause they call someone a gypsy in this one. It oh talks my about God. a gypsy scarf. <laughs> yes. Your gypsy scarf. She, he doesn't say Romani scarf. He says gypsy scarf. And why and here I am, you know, here I am. I hook up an Alexa plug last week and i feel like i've hit feng shui <laughs> nice <laughs> could be you're you're tapped into like the universe's energy through that alexa thing yeah <laughs> uh anything else on on this one that we want to i know you guys are a little bit higher on this one than me or a lot a lot higher on this than when me so um it's still think, fine yeah i think troy's the highest on this one i, I mean I, I i did like it i don't I, it wouldn't be one of my favorite episodes more of a b episode for me but Oh yeah. I, I don't think it's an A plus. I think it's, it's a solid A. Um, I, I like the fact that Ayn is the smartest person in the episode. Um, 
So, uh, I, I, you know, <laughs> Ein gets these little moments, um, and it, it, it serves the purpose of the story. And I really like the fact that he's just not relegated to some cute dog, genetically altered dog. That's always in the background doing funny stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it when they give Ein these little moments to kind of progress the plot. So, yeah, it's almost making me want to buy a Corgi. <laughs> me too, man. I, <laughs> I'm just going to buy an iron t-shirt and call it a day. Yeah. Just buy the t-shirt and yeah. call it a day. I don't know. Okay. Dog. So now we'll move on to session 22 cowboy funk. Um, a serial bomber is trying to blow up skyscrapers, but Scott, but spike is more concerned about a American Western style cowboy on horseback that hinders his attempts to catch the bounty. Sammy, I will start with you this time. Give me your initial thoughts on cowboy funk i wonder if you guys think i like this episode <laughs> i think you love this episode yeah <laughs> this is yeah. a sammy episode yeah if there's been an episode of this show that was ever tailor-made for somebody this one was tailor-made for me i, I knew immediately i was like okay i'm in i'm in Anytime, because you're a huge Ted Kaczynski fan. <laughs> <laughs> Love the Unabomber. I'm huge on I'm huge on mail bombs. Yes. Oh my god, I didn't expect that. That was funny. The I I'm huge on teddy bears, and uh, I, I'm huge on characters introducing themselves via whistle. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it's a, it's a favorite thing of mine. It's very popular, obviously, in Italian cinema. Uh, which is a very favorite uh, country when it comes to cinema for me. Uh, I don't know what it is, but whenever you hear whistling in the distance, you just know there's going to be trouble or there's going to be something kind of interesting happen. What I love about this episode, though, was is how funny it is. Uh, It's not just an homage to Westerns uh, and probably more spaghetti Westerns than American Westerns, I would say. Um, It is... A slapstick episode in a lot of ways. Uh, the continuing punchline of Andy, I believe this is his name, not knowing who Spike is <laughs> and <laughs> and stuff, and Spike saying, "Come on," you know, and things like that. I mean, I just laugh, and the the idea that the serial bomber um, is almost overlooked because Spike and Andy can't get past themselves. It's brilliant. Uh, it's, it's something that I adore in any type of comedy is when the characters are almost so arrogant that they can't see the forest for the trees. Right. Um, it makes me laugh. I don't know why it makes me laugh, but it does. But also another thing I love in, uh, this episode is we get to see the, the gang, uh, play dress up a little bit. (laughs) Oh yeah. Costumes. With some of uh, maybe oh, the, the most eyes, ridic- at the eyes wide shut party, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with maybe some of the most ridiculous uh, costumes ever that I've ever seen. I mean, Fide- they're Fidelio. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're uh, pretty good, but uh, yeah, I, I, there's nothing I didn't like about this episode, including the punchline of the episode, which is even more. I'm, I'm even more in love with that than I was the whole episode. <laughs> Which is, you know, this character of Andy deciding, you know, maybe being a cowboy isn't the right thing. I'm going to go samurai instead. <laughs> Musashi. And call I'm, me Musashi. Yeah, yeah. Call me Musashi. And I'm just like, wow, is did, did somebody get inside my head and make this episode? Because this, I mean, if I was going to make something, this seems like something I would make. 
I don't know if I'd bring a bomber into it as much as I love Ted Kaczynski, I guess, but uh, <laughs> it'd be funny if I get quoted. On this. <laughs> Pulling that audio you get a little right knock now. on the door. Yeah. Excuse us. <laughs> so many crazy things I've said over the years, and yeah. that'll be the one. The um, but I it just it just feels like it's like it's like this is the episode that I kept going back. I watched this one three times as well, but this one I watched three times. And loved it more every time. And I loved it the first time. And this is the one that stuck with me the most. I didn't even have to, I probably didn't even have to rewatch it um, of the two. And, you know, again, for those who don't know, behind the scenes, we've put off recording for a while due to other circumstances and uh, responsibilities and whatnot and travel and blah, blah, blah. But the holidays, um, yeah. The holidays, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. But obviously, we talk all the time anyway, but we just, what I've what I've admired about doing this is we don't talk about the episodes, <laughs> dude. It's so hard. I'm telling you, it's yeah. so hard. Yeah, we don't talk about them. We we every now and then we do, and then I right, have to slap your all's hands. Yeah, to, yeah, we get our hands slapped, and we have to settle down and uh, go to a different chat group, maybe, and uh, <laughs> take it offline. Take watch, it offline, guys. <laughs> yeah, watch Russian stuntmen fly through vans. But uh, uh, I, 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 yeah, this. I mean, this episode's amazingly funny. And it's so heavy in genre. I mean, this thing is like soaked in genre. I mean, it's 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 and it's a genre that I personally love, which is again, I honestly believe this is all Italian Western. I don't I don't really think there's a whole lot of American Western except for the fact that he's called Andy. Which it's is kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Well, it's just everything about Andy's funny. He's he's aloof. And that's what I love about him. He's I mean, I, I want, after watching this, I wanted an Andy show. <laughs> you know, I want an Andy show. I want, I want this aloof bounty hunter who doesn't know if he's a cowboy or a samurai or what he is. It seems like that'd be a good show. Maybe there is a show like that. I don't know. Stay tuned. Troy, you go first. Uh, yeah. When, when this episode is over and I'm looking through the credits, I'm like, was this, was this written by Sammy, directed by Sammy, <laughs> voice yeah. work by Sammy? I mean, this is, um yeah of all the episodes we've watched so far this one uh made me think of you through and through i i love this episode too i watching watching uh, the first one and this one again it it makes me fall in love with the series a little bit more because they can go between those two extremes i think and handle it so well so um and and the other thing i like is i love any kind of character that is chaotic. Um, you know, Sammy's right. Andy is, is a lot of fun, but he's pure chaos on a horse. And, um, to me, he's Andy is the Ron Burgundy of bounty hunters. Uh, and I, I love that aspect of him. He has this confidence. He has everything where he's, he's just out there interacting with it. And in his head, he can't fail. And he's always right. Um, and, and, that's hard to pull off, right? Because a lot of times when you do that, you end up not liking the person. They're too arrogant or something of that nature. But from from this perspective, they pull it out with great writing. And you, and you get some awesome lines, like lines I'm, I'm going to be using on Tabitha all the time, which is, um, why don't we drink to me and my reflection on your lovely eyes? <laughs> I mean, or in your lovely eyes. I, I love that. I mean, I don't know. I uh, this is This is fantastic. And I love the showdown. Um, you know, Sammy's talking about the, uh, punchline at the end. I actually think my favorite part of the ending is this huge duel that goes on and on and on. 
And um, all of a sudden, Spike punches a desk, causing part of the building to fall behind. And Andy's like, all right, I give up. And it's a total accident. And that's how clueless Andy is to the whole thing. And again, it's it's something that is carried through the through the entire episode, and I love it. Um, mm-hmm. I I also like the teddy bear bomber. I, I mean, man, this 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 series has great villains, um, and I I love how he's always trying to sort of explain why he's doing it, and he gets interrupted by the feud between Spike and Andy, and then he he finally gets to tell like his whole purpose to the guard in the van, and then as he's telling, he's like, oh, this is kind of dumb. <laughs> um which again is is fantastic writing but yeah i i I love this episode um i love andy i love that um i i know that they're trying to point out to some extent that the reason why spike doesn't like andy is because they're too similar Mm -hmm. Uh, you know that's what um faye is is kind of pointing out etc i don't know about you guys i didn't i that's the only flaw i i didn't get that yeah Uh, I don't, I don't think spike is like Andy at all. And anytime they would bring that up, I'm like, Oh, I, I don't, I don't agree with you, Faye. Or, you know, if jet yeah. was doing that, there's um, a little bit of arrogance to both of them, but that's about the only yeah. trait they share. I don't, I don't think spike imbues the amount of chaos that Andy does. Um, and if, if the references to the arrogance, even then, um, I, th- I think the fun part about Andy is his arrogance is part of his chaos and it's, it hasn't lacks direction and everything. And, and that's where the comedy comes from. Whereas spikes arrogance is actually backed up by the skill. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't see the comparison between the two. I think it's fun to watch them go at it and they come to a mutual respect at the end, um, through an accident. But, uh, no, it's, it's still, I mean, it's still a super strong episode. So much fun. Yeah. 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 Okay, what if I told you this episode was just a foreshadowing for a different series that the creator was making after this? So, Samurai Champloo. Yep, Samurai Champloo was a was uh, Watanabe's um, created after this. So it's essentially samurais and hip hop, as opposed to jazz and westerns. Now I got um, to watch Samurai Champloo. But, yeah, but does so, it have an Andy like character in it? Um, no, the main character. Okay. Then I don't care. Yeah. But it, it, (laughs) but essentially it's like this, this whole episode kind of, is just showing that coming basically him going from a cowboy to a samurai at the end is basically a big foreshadow. Um, so it's pretty cool. Um, I, I was reading that this, uh, episode was pulled in the United States because of September 11th. So I think this is like the second or third episode that they could not show after nine 11, um, cause of blowing up buildings and stuff. Um, yeah, sure. I, I, I will tell you guys initially when I was watching this series years ago, I was not a huge fan of this one. And as I've gotten older and as I've watched it more, it has grown on me and is, is one of my favorites. And it's because of the humor. It's because of, you know, you just have this guy who just wants attention and even big shot. They're reading his demand letter and then the credits start rolling yeah. and they're like, yeah, we can't read it anymore. Sorry about that. Um, so there's all these moments like that in in this episode that really kind of grow on you and, and you'll miss one or two an episode and then you'll, 
you'll go back and watch it again. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, even like the Flash Gordon uh, kind of homage during the intermission was nice too. Um, I just really like this one. Um, I liked Andy. It's kind of aloofness. Um, and then Faye kind of has a thing for him for a bit. And then she's like, no, this guy, this guy is too much like Spike, which again, I kind of agree with Troy. I don't think they're exactly the same, but to her there, there's enough going on there that she's like, nope, I, I can't do this. Um, like Sammy was talking about seeing Spike or seeing Jet with long hair and a marijuana leaf t-shirt um, <laughs> was enough to like really love this episode. Oh yeah, that's a great. Um, I'd, I'd love a shirt of that look. Yeah, I, but I don't understand <laughs> all those explosions. You're gonna kill some people, and the fact that he's like, "No, I don't want to kill people. I just want to get you know bring attention to things." It's like, no, man, you're you're killing people are dying, uh, whether you want to or not. Um, so yeah, yeah, I I was like Sammy, like I did not need to rewatch this one because I remembered it like really well it all stuck with me uh the last one i had to rewatch right before we started this because like i don't remember a thing this one i i remember it beat by beat um and i love the visual of like the redness after the explosion on the top of the hotel it like all of a sudden you're like where are they and they're like oh they're just on top of a building but it literally looks like they're on like out in the desert somewhere yeah. Um, so it's cool that they were able to change the setting um, for their showdown to have that Western style showdown on top of a building, but make it look Western. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I love this one. Um, one of my favorites, one that's gotten better with age. So I wonder, you know, if you guys go back to watch these again, if, if you like this one more and more. Um, mm. There was some yeah, of the- same. There's Samurai Champlo needs to be checked out as well, Sammy. If you're if you're like Cowboy Bebop, it's worth seeing. Yeah, there there were a few lines. I think it was the third time I watched it. What what's cool about this is when you get this episode, some of the dialogue, like that whole, you know, drink to me in your eyes thing, I, I caught on that the first time. But then there's a couple of other lines that pop out and they go by so fast because I, I like I like a little bit of the zany humor that they introduce into this, either through some like visuals or this running gag where, you know, he's, he's basically trying to push off his son of a gun stew. And then he makes this, you know, I think it's he, Andy's the one that makes the comment that says it'll sure blaze a trail or something. And I, I didn't catch that, that back comment outside of the son of gun stew until like the second or third viewing. So um, I, I think, I think this episode well this whole series so far it seems like it plays better and better the more that you rewatch it too Mm -hmm. yeah yeah this would be the one that if i was gonna fire up an episode just to like you know eat a bowl of chili or something this would probably be the one (laughs) you know just to throw it on like it it, to me this will probably be the most rewatchable episode i don't think it's the best episode of the show but I think it's for me the most entertaining episode of the show. Yeah, I, I agree. It's 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 the most fun, but it's not number one in terms of like quality, the impact of the story and everything else. It's just it's I don't know, it feels it feels just like a fun diversion. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a lot of fun. It's just yeah. You know, I, I, I always 
I hate that word. Oh, I don't hate the word fun. Let's just say that. Okay. I don't hate the word fun. <laughs> Sammy, anti-fun. That's a bold statement. <laughs> anti-fun pro mail bomb. Yes. But the, <laughs> right. I guess that is anti-fun. Yeah. But yeah. the, uh, but I, I, I don't like it when people just say, Hey, you know, it was fun because you got to give me a reason why it's fun. And for me, obviously, again, while I'm watching this, I'm aware that you guys are watching it as well. Thinking, Oh, well, Sammy's going to like this. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, I know that there's, you know, there's only one or two reactions. Either he's going to like it a lot, or he's going to be really hard on it because he, he loves Western stuff so much, but, um, this one's just having so much fun with it and, uh, kind of the ridiculousness of spaghetti Westerns in a way, it's kind of taking that and kind of amping it up a little bit and putting it in space and kind of the silliness and, I just like the, I like how, Andy, again, I like the aloofness. I like how he's willing just to drop his whole identity and change it. And you just know without seeing this character again, he's just going to change it again when somebody comes along and challenges him or he just gets bored. Yeah. And I just, I, I just think he's a very interesting character. Well, I wonder what Andy 3.0 is. Yeah. <laughs> See if like a giant mech or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. He turns into a kaiju. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did want to ask you guys because we have we've had a few weeks to reflect on the series so far, and we're going to get into some heavier episodes as the series comes to a close. So, what have what has your guys' thoughts of the series been so far? We haven't really kind of talked about that in a long time, so I wanted to kind of catch up with you guys on kind of your thoughts as a whole right now. Knowing that we have what four episodes left, so yeah, uh, movie, movie potentially. <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking about this the other day. So I I love the series. Um, it's rivaling one of my uh, probably favorite Japanimation uh, properties. I, I could easily see after a few more watches of it or something of that nature going. Yeah, this this might be my favorite thing out there. I think from a storytelling perspective, as a TV show. Um, it's, it's in the Pantheon. It's that's, it, it's that good. I will be hundred percent honest. Like I have no idea where this is going. I've got hints of it based on some story elements that have popped up already because there are some unresolved, um, conflicts that I think are coming to a head. And I, I, <laughs> this is crazy, but in my head, I'm like, if there are four episodes left, I'm really worried about sticking the landing like I get paranoid when shows are are this good, and then um, this this Andy episode's a great a great example. I don't think the Andy episode um, pushes the characters in new directions or give you gives you anything new that you didn't know. It's just a really fun episode. Um, but you've got four episodes left. There are a couple of big storylines that need a resolution and some questions answered. And I'm in my head, I'm like, is, is it going to fall flat? Is it going to be rushed? Is it going to be more exposition than showing like all, all the things you worry about that modern, you know, stories do when they kind of go, well, I don't, I don't have time to actually artfully show the audience something. So I'm going to tell them, um, I'm, I'm worried about the last four episodes telling us more than it shows us because I, I feel like the 22 episodes we've seen so far are so good. I'm, I'm, I'm really worried about how this, this series sticks to landing. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I, I don't have a lot to compare this to. I haven't watched a lot of anime television shows. 
one of the reasons why I was very gung ho to even get involved here was because, wow, you know, it gives me a reason to actually watch something that people have always kind of said, Hey, you should check this out. And, you know, I, I'd said back a long time ago when we recorded the speed racer show, I guess was the first thing I ever did with you guys. Yeah. That, that, you know, anime was probably a genre that I probably avoided the most, not because I didn't like it, but because I just, I didn't have the proper guidance through it. And I probably walked into some, some bad stuff. I've seen the staples and most of the staples I like, but I've walked into some bad stuff too. Uh, and then I've walked into some wacky stuff like Overfiend. Yeah. <laughs> but, cynical stuff. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you pushed me into that one. <laughs> yeah. 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 I kicked you into that one. You probably. Kicked me into that, one. that might be a hate crime. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, I, he couldn't send a mail bomb. So here's Overfiend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I have enjoyed, I mean, this is one of my favorite animated things I've ever watched. It's and, and I typically, I'm not the kind of person that'll rewatch animated stuff much. Uh, I'm a huge Scooby-Doo and Flintstone fan. For those who don't know, um, I have the Lego sets and everything. I love Scooby-Doo when I was a kid. I still love Scooby-Doo now. Um, I love the Flintstones. I don't know why, but I, just, I think they just remind me of growing up. Right. And um, so I would rewatch those things, but this is actually one that it's different. It has a lot more meat on the bone, right? Those shows are this wacky sitcoms. Not really, you know, little wacky mysteries and stuff. This is something completely different and uh, something I'm not really used to from animation. So I don't really know how I feel about the show yet. I know I like it a lot. I like it enough that I will own it at some point. I don't own it. I haven't bought it. So. Oh. I, I'll say this. Uh, doing this has made me go back and um, just, I don't know, appreciate animation in general. So I, I have watched a little bit more Japanimation, but not even just Japanimation. I mean, the other day, um, you know, I ran across like the old Woody Woodpecker cartoons from the 40s and uh, on Blu-ray. And I'm like, you know what? I want to watch that because I'm, I'm enjoying the animation style of this. And, and I want to kind of take in something else. And Angel got me watching uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender. And I'm like, I'm not going to like that. And all of a sudden I'm like... Mm. Why am I crying during this episode? This is so good. <laughs> so um, yeah. this this series has made me appreciate animation outside of your traditional Disney and stuff like that, and even go out and look for animation in other venues that I didn't think I would um, enjoy. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. There's so good. much you can do in animation, you know? I mean, yeah. there's just so much you can do, and it's really up to the imagination of the creator, and you can really go way out there. I agree. I I don't want to give too much away. Then don't. But (laughs) then shut up. Then shut up. I won't. Okay. Okay. I won't say anything else. All right. Yeah. Just shut up. (laughs) (laughs) You have like three bangers left. Okay. There you go. Just shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Bangers. Yep. Uh, Yeah. So next next week, hopefully, fingers crossed that we uh, get to do next week. We are going to do session 23, which is brain stretch in episode 24, hard luck woman. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then we just have, um, hard luck woman. Is that a, that's a kiss song, right? Oh, Troy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. It's either stones or kiss, but I think it's kiss. I think it's I think kiss. It's yeah. It's kiss. I should know. Yeah. I should know that Troy. You should know that. I know. You're they the talk bigger. about, they talk about their, Dicks being guns and all that stuff. And that one too. 
You mean Love Gun? <laughs> I know. I know Love Gun, yes. <laughs> okay. It's from their 1976 album, Rock and Roll Over. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. I know that one. I know that album, too. Um, we did get some feedback about um, Cowboy Bebop. You want me to oh, read yes. it? Yes, you go ahead and read it. Okay. So um, Zoe uh, from the Backlook Cinema Podcast wrote a huge email. Um, and part one of it was all about Suicide Squad, which um, we kind of read on that one. He also had an entire section about uh, Cowboy Bebop. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some highlights from here. So he starts out, it's a shame that the live action series got canceled. That's all capitalized in like five exclamation marks. So he was, he was disappointing. It was yeah. so good and so faithful. They already revealed one of Spike's former names. I think that I mentioned earlier that I wasn't as enthralled as I thought I'd be when I started watching the animated series with you. But as I continue to watch, I get a better and better understanding of the appeal. One of the things that helped me was watching the Japanese dub version, also available on Netflix. If you haven't tried it yet, I strongly encourage it, at least for a couple episodes. I did want to ask that when I read this. Are you guys watching it in a Japanese language with English subtitles or uh, English dub? Dubbed. I've seen I've seen the episodes subtitled enough, but I've, I watch them subbed now or dubbed now. So I watch them Japanese and subbed. But if uh, we take a break in between, if I rewatch, I watch them dubbed. Okay. I have been watching them. Uh, dubbed and I went back and uh, watched him with Japanese language. Um, I think I prefer the dub better uh, just because yeah, I, I started that way and I'm used to those voices. So now that's what I want to hear kind of thing. Yeah. And actually I think, I think the voice actors for the American uh, dubbed is really good. So it's not, there has been some really bad dubs before. So this one is yeah. one of the ones that's really good. So you're okay. okay with that. No judgment here. Okay. Yeah, no judgment. I mean, I, I prefer the Japanese sub, but that's just because I love the way Japanese express emotion when they talk. It is. It I, I, I'm slow and quiet. And then just, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I got, yeah. I got scared there. For me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm going to keep going. Um, the Japanese are a lot less fussy about strong language and other things, so there's a lot more cursing. There's also a lot of English words that they use, like most of the popular pronouns like Vicious Spike and Jet Black are the same or nearly the same in Japanese. In the entire series, there's a splattering of English words and phrases that tend to stand out in Japanese. So far, Wild Horses is my favorite session. It was the only one where I actually whooped out loud as the old dude pulled the space shuttle Columbia out of the hangar. I had to switch to English dub because I couldn't give the episode my full attention, but I left the subtitles on. Turns out the English is completely different than what was actually being spoken. The context was the same. They were just using different words, which was weird. I don't recommend this. Um, and then he, he goes on to this. I thought this was interesting. Now, Brad, you may know this. I I don't know if Sammy and I, or maybe Sammy, you do. I I. I I know there's sexualization with the Japanimation. Zoe makes a good point about this. As common in anime, the women are hypersexualized, but it wasn't always so. Way back in the trucker episode, I hadn't realized until you mentioned it that the trucker with the initials was a woman. I was thinking she was male the entire time, even right. when her husband was revealed. We also see this with Ed. On the other hand, I think Gren from the two-parter would consider themselves gender nonspecific. In today's vernacular, given their answer to Valentine when she asked what they were, I think we talked about that too. That that was a pretty progressive episode for that time. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, from 1998 or whatever. Yeah. I think she asked if they were a man or a woman. I think they answered that they were both and neither. I'm referring to Gren as they, but Gren might be described as he. They commented that women were not their style, so I'm thinking that they probably got a preference for men, specifically vicious. The hypersexualization in Japanese media I learned recently from Tatiana King on the For All Nerds podcast is called fan service. I mostly notice it in video games like Dead or Alive or anime movies. It's usually some combination of oversized breasts, skimpy outfits, or school uniforms or nudity. The adult women also tend to have a childlike voice. Sometimes a woman would speak in an octave too high for an adult. Right. Um, yeah, Chun Li. When I was growing up, Chun Li was a revelation for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that that's just some thoughts from Zoe. I, I'm I love the fact that he is watching it along with us, uh, and he's picking out his favorite episodes. Um, and it seems like he's enjoying it as much as we are. So that was thank you. So that was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome email. Yeah, yeah I, like, I like that. Uh, that the sexualization of women in Japanimation is. It's it's very interesting. I I don't I, I don't find it distasteful. I just find it interesting. Yeah, it's I, I mean it's different. It's a different culture thing, and that's yeah. just what it is. And yeah. when you watch anime, you go into kind of expecting those things. Yeah, it's um, and it's taken me a while to get used to. I I thought it was pervasive in all of this stuff, but I have seen. Um, a couple of episodes. Uh, I, I, was it Record of Lotus War? Doesn't seem to be as hypersexualized, uh, and I think that was one of the earlier animes I ran into. Like it's there, but it's mm-hmm. not prevalent as um, some of the other ones I've seen. So, yeah. I mean, it's not yeah. universal, but it is there ninety five percent of the time. It, it um, is weird. Like uh, one one of the things I went back to revisit because I remember liking when I saw it was uh, Project Echo. And apparently that started out as what was going to be an adult anime, but at some point they changed direction on it and it became more mainstream. But some of the sequences that they filmed for the adult portion were left in. So it's a little bit awkward in the beginning and then it becomes this like Looney Tunes space invasion. So tonally it, it's kind of weird, but it's, it's still fun anime. I just, I learned a lot about it. um, Rewatching it with their special edition blue. And it kind of goes through this whole background of started this way. Then it became this and it became super popular. And there's like three or four sequels to it and video games and everything else. I think there's something to be said too, about how the Japanese with animation, they can get away with a lot more, you know, their, their pornography is censored pornography. Yep. Uh, I don't know how I know that somebody told me that, but um, their, their animation is totally different. Their animation is, is full tilt, right? You saw Overfiend. So, oh yeah. Their animation yeah. goes all the way and shows everything. Oh boy. Did it. Yep. Whereas their pornography, which is actually really people interacting is pixelated. At least that's what I've been told. What you read on the internet. <laughs> yeah. What the internet told you. Yeah. Yeah. We get it. Yeah. 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 Right. 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 I don't know. Uh, Speaking of censored pornography, uh, Sammy, why don't you tell us what's going on at the GGTMC? Uh, the show's back. For those who don't listen to Not a Bomb or don't listen to uh, Gentleman's Got to Midnight Cinema, the show is back. Um, people are starting to interact again. The downloads are up, uh, which is great. Um, we came back with a bang. Uh, we're having fun. We just recorded an episode last night about... Uh, the Mac from 1973. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah, and black exploitation. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
it was a lot of fun to go back and talk about that film. And uh, we just put out a episode uh, this past week about an Italian uh, social comedy with uh, uh, some disturbing scenery, a disturbing scene. That, that yeah, you were talking expect. about that uh, butcher or. Um... Oh, my God. It's an abattoir is what it is. Okay. And it's, I mean, it's like I said, if you don't have any interest in seeing that, you probably shouldn't watch the movie at all because it's. It, it's from the beginning of that process to the end of that process. Oh, well, I, I love the, the fact thing. that um, you picked that. I never heard of it before. Yeah, and it's all screwed up. It's all screwed up. Yeah. And you can get it if you have the Criterion channel. It's on there, right? Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. The Mac is oddly not out there streaming anywhere and uh, even hard to find on YouTube. I think you can find it in snippets and stuff. I think there's a DVD out there, but yeah, I got it. Oddly. Yeah. I think oddly <laughs> it's never been released in high definition. No, I I think the only I, there was a special edition DVD. I think that's the one I have. I think it's all that's ever been released. Yeah, it's very years ago. So, but anyway, uh, we are back, and uh, yeah, we're having a fun. We're we're having a blast. We're doing one film at a time. I know a lot of people are used to us doing two films, but we just don't have the time right now, uh, and we want to do something. So, you're still getting an hour, an hour and a half of us, and uh, if you enjoy listening to me and we'll talk, then I think you'll be fine. It's awesome. I'll whisper. I'll whisper. It is. It is nice to hear you and Will talk. Uh, yeah, we missed. Although, Todd. We missed yeah. Todd, obviously, but yeah, exactly. Uh, Will and I started the show, and and it, it's great to kind of be doing it together again. New episodes every Monday, right? Every Monday, eight a.m. Love it. <laughs> Troy, what about us? What did we do this week? Well, it's been a busy week. This is the third time we've recorded <laughs> this week. I'm which so is so tired of you. <laughs> I yeah, my wife is tired of you too. <laughs> it's like you're recording again. No, we hey January. We've had a lot of fun because we've gone back. You got to pick two films from last year. I got to pick uh, two bombs from last year, and uh, we just finished. Sammy was on. We talked. Um, uh, Moss Mikkelsen and Writers of Justice. So that's out right now. We, um, well, not we, one of us got all dressed up in a tuxedo and everything else. And we, tuxedo we got a t shirt. Don't, it don't was lie a, to the listeners. It was a tuxedo ish. <laughs> but um, no, we got, we got an awards uh, season fever and we love hearing everybody's lists. Uh, I think Sammy, you, you and Will did like a top 30 first or you did a top 10 first time watches um, yeah. for this year. And I've been going back and reading tons of stuff. I think the Golden Globes had their awards, Academy Awards around the corner. I like award season because it does highlight films that maybe I, I missed and need to go look at. But Brad and I came up with the idea of we should do an award show, but we should give awards out to the movies that we reviewed last year. And what makes that interesting is you now have um, every genre out there going up against each other, as well as movies from like four or five different decades. So yeah. um, you, you I like that. I like that idea. It's a very good idea. Yeah, we uh, we started with The Beast in 2021 and we ended it with MacGruber. And I can tell you both of those movies ended up in some fashion in one of our categories, which blew my mind. So, um, it was fun. I, I had a, I'll tell you what, it was not fun making our lists out, but, um, Brad had his five nominations for a category. I had my five nominations. We, we didn't know what we were going to pick and we shared them and then we debated who should get the award. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. 
Nice. Yeah, man, it was a lot of fun doing that. So the bombies look for that episode. Um, if you're hearing this now, it should already be out. So, yep. Sweet. I didn't know that. Surprise, I was listening surprise. to an audio. Well, maybe it wasn't that when I came home from work because I was listening to an audio book. Yeah, it's not out yet. We're okay. It's it's in the can. It's going to be out there. Um, and I haven't been on social media because I've been editing <laughs> all the stuff we've been doing. Troy's so. been a busy boy. Um, yeah. yeah, it was fun. But we, we need to do something like that again because it was – I mean, it's one thing to compare movies from the same year. Man, it's an entirely challenging endeavor to go back and say – I want to take this movie from 1970 and compare it to 1990 and compare it to 2020. Um, <laughs> compare it to McGruber. And then compare it to McGruber and see what's who should get the best actor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool, man. I'm looking forward to that episode as a listener yeah. and not a participator. <laughs> but you I, will be participating again with us in yeah. a few days. We will be doing yeah. the last duel. So am I, am, I the first, am I the first guest to go back to back? Uh, ass to ass, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not the first one to go back to back. That's right. Yeah. I, I had to think about that. I thought, well, maybe... it's back to back to back. I mean, we're doing three episodes in a row, kind of. Well, we're doing four if we do Cowboy Bebop again. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. jeez, yeah. No, true, true. I'm hanging out with you guys all the time. I like oh, it. Yeah, I, I, I love it. And uh, again, it gives me a reason to talk about other types. Of, I mean, you know. You can hear about the last two films that we covered, 1973's The Mac and 1974 All Screwed Up. And you can tell we, we're a different type of, you know, obviously we're different. A little, a little bit different, yes. A different type <laughs> Not of much. Film. Not much. I used to I used to call it uh when me and Todd used to call it an anthropological podcast. <laughs> you start getting past 1970 and going back further than that. Some people, I mean, you can see the downloads just go, ooh. Oh yeah. Man, but the f- the fifties are so good. Yeah. No, the fifties, well, the fifties are terrible. Now the forties are good. Mm. Late sixties are good. Thirties are thirties. Thirties are good. People don't, people don't look at the thirties enough. The thirties are great. Yeah. Fifties are when Hollywood just got super bland. Listen well, to Tar- Tarantino talks about this all the time, man. I, I yeah, don't. There, there's a reason. There's yeah. a reason. It yep. was after the war. Everybody yep. was trying to get back to normal. Yep. We don't need to get into that now. Okay. (laughs) So, all right. Uh, Again, I think we have Brain Stretch and Hard Luck Woman next week. So thank you for joining us. Sammy, Troy, adios. I did it. I did it. You did it? No, you can't say adios. That's theirs. I did it, adios. No, no. I did it, adios. That was nice. No, 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 no. See you, Space Cowboy. See you, Space Samurai. Oh, there you go. Like that. (laughs) Yeah.